The text for this morning is from Haggai chapter 2, verses 20 through 23. I'll be reading in Danish, and the English text will be on the screen as I read. Samme dag fik Haggai endnu et budskab fra Herren til Zerubabel. Budskabet lød. Jeg ryster himlen og jorden. Jeg afsætter konger til intetgør stormmagter og vælter deres stridsvogne. Heste og ryttere styrter, og herrene slår hinanden ihjel. Til den tid vil jeg give min tjener Zerubabel den samme autoritet, som jeg har. For han er min udvalgte tjener, siger Herren den Almægtige. This is God's word. Please be seated. I don't know. Hello, morning. Um, my name is Mike. Uh, if I haven't met you, welcome. Um, I am not the pastor here. I am uh, an elder here on staff. Um, I got to talk to Brian a little bit too. Of I got to follow Nikki Jordan and uh, and the kids choir. I got to. I need a better setup here next time. So that's a hard act to follow. But welcome to you guys. Um, again, uh, this is not uh, my profession. I am a college football coach by trade, um, and I was uh, I was stressing uh, to a couple of colleagues. I had a talk I had to give in Wisconsin earlier this week, um, and so between that and sermon prep, uh, one of my colleagues suggested, "Hey, just give the same talk at both." Um, <laughs> And I don't know who would have been more confused, you guys on uh, cover two pressures or those guys on Haggai chapter two. Um, so, but we got it worked out and, uh, and we're going to be good to go here. So um, before we get started, I want you guys to think about uh, holiday seasons are coming and we just got out of Thanksgiving and um, into Christmas and time with family, right? Time to, to connect and be with family. And I know that can be a good or a bad thing sometimes. And so... Um, What I want you guys to think about is, like, is there a family member that uh, maybe is a little much, is a little extra? Um, maybe if you were running for office, they would, they would find that person, and, and there may be some disqualifying things that, that they would find in that person in your family. They'll go, I don't know about this one, right? And so um, I want you to think about that. If you can't think about that, you might be that family member, right? So just uh, <laughs> word of the wise, if no one's coming to, coming to mind, it might be you. Um, Uh, so as you guys are chewing on that and thinking about that, my wife, um, she, she kind of gets in these kind of rabbit holes sometimes uh, when I'm in football season. And, and uh, about two years ago, she did an Ancestry.com one where she kind of was like doing some digging and trying to find some stuff. Uh, and we found out that on my side in, uh, I think it's about two, like great, great aunt, um, was at a mental hospital in Kentucky. Um, and so I feel like Down south mental hospital has got to be a special kind of crazy uh, to find that. And so when I think about like, man, what are some family members or some family issues? Um, that one kind of comes up for me. Uh, if you're having trouble thinking about them, I think the best picture I have uh, is from one of my favorite movies. All right. Everybody, cousin Eddie, right? Like everybody's got a cousin Eddie um, to where it's like kind of like, ah, man, this guy, he's a little much. He's a little extra. All right. So I want you to think about that and chew on that. Um, as we're going to kind of go in today, uh, if you're new with us or this is your first time here and you've missed some of the previous stuff that we've been talking about here in the book of Haggai, I just want to review for you, all right? And so um, we're in the year 520 B.C., all right? Um, they've been in exile for 70 years, and, and the people are finally starting to return. Um, the person has, had, 
the Persians had overthrown the Babylonians, um, and they'd allowed them to come back to Jerusalem. Uh, there's three people, uh, I think that three key people in, in the book uh, that we've talked about, Zerubbabel, who's the religious leader, uh, the political leader, Joshua, and the prophet Haggai. Um, and so as Brian's preached through, we've, we've had three main sermons. This is the fourth year ending. The first one was all about misplaced priorities. Okay, so people are coming back in, and instead of rebuilding the Lord's temple, they're building their own stuff. They're working on their own houses. Um, kind of the priority is on them uh, instead of on what the Lord's done and, and bringing them back. Uh, about a month later, Haggai gets another word, all right, and, and the word that he gets and, and he talks to the guys or to the people about are shattered expectations, right? So they're building the temple. It's not looking the way they thought it was going to look. I don't know if you guys have seen the Instagram page where it's like what I thought it was going to be when they were making something and then what it actually turned out to be, kind of what I think about, right? Like, oh, I have this grand idea of what this is going to look like, Ooh, and that's not it, right? And so those guys are struggling through that. Uh, the morale was low, and Haggai has to remind them of their future glory. All right, and then last week, uh, Brian's talk was a call to faithfulness. Um, talks about the clean and the unclean, and he wants to be the people to be clean as they're building the temple, and he needs his people to be faithful. Which brings us to today. Uh, the last sermon here that we have actually came on the same day uh, from Haggai as the one we heard last week. Um, and so we're going to pray real quick, and then we will dive into that. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thanks for uh, Advent season. Thanks uh, what this time means uh, in the birth of your son. Uh, and, and what that means to us as a people. Lord, I pray that today we would be able to reflect on that, that we would be able to accept that, and, uh, and Lord, walk in joy in the fact that you sent your kid for us. Amen. All right, so to get started here, we're going to go Haggai. Uh, this is, we're in chapter 2, verses 20. We're going to read verses 20 through 22 here to start. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. Horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. All right. So as we look through this, there's a ton of Old Testament uh, references here. The chariots and the riders would have made the people think of Pharaoh uh, and the Egyptians and the parting of the Red Sea in Exodus. Uh, the sword of a brother is a reference to Ezekiel 38. Uh, where he's talking about the shaking of nations, war, and destruction. All right? Big life-altering events, right? Big things are coming. He's shaking things up. Uh, so the question there again now is this. is like, what have been the recent shakeups for you? Where have things been shaken? All right? And then what does that cause in you? Um, maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's a, a bad shakeup, death in the family, a loss of a job, a loss of a loved one. Uh, a hard time with pregnancy. Maybe it's a good shakeup, right? Maybe it's a new job opportunity. Maybe it's a new birth. Maybe it's a marriage. Uh, maybe it's a new friendship. Uh, so I think what the shakeups, right, are, are something to get our attention. Uh, this week, I had a, an interesting phone call with my dad. He calls me, um, and I, I got a lot of aunt themes in here, but my aunt uh, lives in Florida. Uh, she's about 65 years old, married with no kids, and I feel like prime, like, uh, scam, like, people, right? Like, if you're going to scam someone, like, the 65-year-old in Florida is, like, prime pickings, right? Um, and so, I don't know why, sorry if you're offended by that, if you're uh, 65 and Flor from Florida. Um, so, so my dad calls me, and he says that, hey, uh, he's like, just a heads up, if you're getting any weird stuff coming through, um, your aunt got scammed. And so, you're kind of like, all right, like, what, what happened? What's going on? Um, somehow, my aunt decided that it was a great idea to download an email that someone had this and it got all her bank account information 
But then, like, she took it a step further, and she decided to, like, send the person money. And it wasn't just a small amount of money. It was $45,000 that she sent to a random bank in California. Um, and so a little bit of a shakeup, right? Like, your retirement age, you're hanging out, everything's good, and then $45,000 are just gone. Um, so a shakeup, right? Like, things are shaken up. Holy smokes. Like, this kind of gets my attention a little bit. And so I think that's what the Lord is trying to do here. He shakes things up to get your attention, all right? Uh, not saying that the Lord took $45,000, but that's, um, I think what's interesting here is as we look through this, uh, when Zerubbabel is talking, uh, or when Haggai is talking uh, through the prophet, the Lord is talking through the prophet, he says this, as we look at that, I will overthrow, all right? I will overthrow, and I will overthrow. Three times that the Lord says that. I think what this implies is intentional divine decisions. God is in complete control of the shakeup. When things are shaken up, do we always feel that? I don't right? Hard to feel that God's in control when really hard stuff happens, all right? I think it's good that we press into times when, when God is shaking things up. Is he trying to get my attention, and what is he trying to get my attention about? So God's plan to shake things up. They weren't quite sure of what that was going to look like. They didn't know what was going to happen, um, and we'll learn later that it was a foreshadowing of, of Jesus coming, right? And so we'll, we'll see how that ties in here, which probably is the greatest shakeup the world's ever seen. All right, and so let's look at uh, chapter, sorry, uh, verse 23. It says, On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant, Rebel, son of Shelatil, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my mighty signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord God Almighty. All right, so I want us to think back to that relative that we were kind of thinking of early on. All right, um, yep, right, think back to that guy. All right. And so uh, the, the cool part about this is Zerubbabel had a similar situation, all right? And so in, in, uh, in 1 Chronicles 3, chapter 17, or chapter 3, verse 17 and 19, which Chronicles is kind of where all those yearly Bible plans go to die, right? Like, I'm going to read the Bible all the way through, and then you get to Chronicles, and it's, it dies, all right? And so um, we're going we're gonna to dive into Chronicles here a little bit, all right? And so I promise there's a tie in here. Um, so in Chronicle, uh, 1 Chronicles 3, uh, I want you to, to check this. I think we have it up there. Um, the descendants of Jehoiachin, the captive, Shelatilah's son, Mal- Malkarim, Padiah, Sheznar, uh, Jechemiah, Hoshima, and Nebadiah. The sons of Padiah, Zerubbabel, and Shimi. All right? I think that's up there. Got that? All right. Good. All right. So all of this is is a line, right? And so what I want you to take away from this is Zerubbabel's grandfather was Jokaniah. All right? And so now... If you look at Jeremiah, we're going to look at Jeremiah 22, verses 24 and 25, all right? And so this is, a, again, just a, another look here as, as what this means. It says, surely as I live, declares the Lord, even if you, Jehoiakim, son of, Jokin, jo- Jehoiakim, son of Judah, were a signet ring on my right hand, I would pull you off. I will deliver you into the hands of those who, will, who want to kill you and those you fear, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon and the Babylonians, all right? So... If you kind of look through this, right? Jehoiakim is the grandfather of Zerubbabel. Jehoiakim, not a great dude, right? So they ripped the signet ring. So I think one thing to think about is like, what is a signet ring, right? There's a lot of language about signet ring in there. Signet ring was an uh, engraved stone, and it had the mark of an individual used to sign treaties, contracts, or embossed scrolls. It was so important, it was usually worn around the neck of a king or of an important figure. Um, it was like the modern-day Twitter verified, right? Like, this is my check mark. Like, you know I'm real. I'm legit. This is my signature, all of that, whatever that is. But it was usually worn around the neck. 
Okay, it was also a sign of like covenant agreement, covenant contract. All right, so Jehoiachin is so bad that the Lord says he's going to rip you off like a signet ring. This was a big deal because they would have known that he was in the line of David, right? This is where the king's going to come. Jesus is going to come through the line of David. The Lord says, man, I'm done with you. My contract has been ripped. We're broken because of the choices that you've made. All right? But then what's really interesting is that in that verse 23, the Lord says that he has chosen Zerubbabel. He's chosen him. All right? I have chosen you. How cool those words, I think, must have been to Zerubbabel when knowing, like, man, my grandfather and my family line is an absolute mess. The king was so bad that the Lord broke his contract, broke his covenant with him, but I've been chosen, right? The Lord's, the Lord's words come to him, I have been chosen. The, there was a really cool commentary uh, as I was reading through this, talking about some of these different things, and it says this, it says, We often live our lives as Christians as though our everyday activities have no significance in the overall redemptive plan of God in our world. We need to grasp the truth that God's plan is to work through us as his people to bring his rule and justice into fruition. In your job, your neighborhoods, your friend group, he's called us into obedience. All right? We've seen throughout the book uh, of Haggai that our choices matter. Um, our choices have power. Uh, the obedience of God's people is part of how Jesus works his plan, right? Build the temple, do these different things that he's being asked to do. Uh, I think that should humble us and that should motivate us. There's a, there's a really good book um, that, that had a great impact on my life, and I, I give to a lot of my young guys and players um, and it's by a guy named Victor Frankl called A Man's Search for Meaning, right? And so Victor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor. Everything was taken from him. His, his whole family was killed. He's obviously removed from his, uh, from his home. And one of a few survivors in this concentration camp when, when, they, when he gets rescued. Um, and so they ask him, like, what, what, made, what helped you make it through? How did you make it through when all this stuff was All these terrible things were happening around you. Uh, And there's a quote in the book that says this, and, and he's talking about his power to choose. All right? And so I kind of want to double-click on this idea of, like, choosing uh, and being chosen. It says, every, so Victor said this, he said, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given circumstances. All right, so this idea of choosing, I think what's funny is much of Haggai and much of the Old Testament uh, is a story of how God's people have chosen to respond to the Lord's promptings. Much of the Old Testament as well, people choosing their own way over the way of the Lord's as he has continually called them. Uh, there's a lesson here for us, and I think it's what are we constantly choosing? What are we choosing to let into our hearts? What are we choosing to scroll? What are we choosing to listen to? Who are we choosing to hang out with? All right? So all of this, right, as we kind of wrap this up with this, and I, I laugh when I told my guys that I was speaking, uh, they're like, it's going to be like seven minutes, you're just going to yell at everybody. So that's, uh, so um, as we kind of, as we kind of draw to a close on, on, on the book of Haggai and, and this, uh, I want to kind of draw our attention back to um, this genealogy idea or this idea of um, what does God promise and what is he shaking up. I think what's really interesting is Zerubbabel, we read, and, and we don't know a ton about him, but he never got to see the things being shaken, right? So the Lord says, I'm going to shake things up. Big things are going to happen. He never got to sit on a throne. He never got to see chariots overthrown. He never got to really see the fruition come, come into fruition of like, man, this is happening. It's happening right in front of our eyes. What's really cool is he got to be a part of one of the most radical shakeups, though, uh, of all time. Um, and so as you look at this, um, I think it's, uh, we got it up there, uh, in Matthew, all right? So in the book of Matthew, it starts off with uh, a genealogy, all right? And so um, he got to be a part, what we're going to see is Zerubbabel got to be a part of a, of a pretty cool shakeup. Uh, so this is uh, Matthew 1, chapter or Matthew 1 and then 12 through 16. It says, After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shelatil. 
Shelatil, the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, the father of Abadad, Abadad, the father of Elikim, Elikim, the father of Azar, Azar, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Eliad, Eliad, the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Matan, Matan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, and the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. All right? One, note, one thing to note, Jeconiah and Jekoen, it's the same person. Threw me off. Took me like 25 minutes to figure that out. Something with translations, I promise, it's the same thing. I was about halfway through this and freaked out because I thought I was like, I was like, that's not the same guy. It's the same guy. All right? All right? Here's what struck me, and, and I think I was just kind of rocked by a little bit to, uh, this week as I was preparing this. The number of people in Jesus' geniality and, and his line that were an absolute mess. Um, it, and it was a, it was a humbling and, and, and very sobering moment for me as I was kind of going through this. Um, the king of the world, and, and all of a sudden there's all these people in that family tree who, who are a mess. Uh, you, from David uh, to Jekinoi. And then you, what's really cool is you go back through in, in verses 1 through 5. Um, there's three women mentioned, and usually there's not women mentioned in genealogy lines, right? Usually it just sticks to the male side. Uh, but there's three women mentioned, all right, in verses 1 through 5 of Matthew there. Uh, Tamar and Rahab, who were known for their promiscuity, all right, not, um, not the most stand-up. And then uh, Ruth, who was actually a Moabite. And, refi- and um, in Deuteronomy 23, it says that the, her, the Moabites were prohibited from joining the Israelite clan. Okay, so there was no perfect family, right? Um, they were a mess. They didn't have it figured out. Uh, people in this line were flawed and yet faithful. Flawed and yet faithful. I think that's such a cool thing uh, to think about. Um, I think the, the title of this series was The Renewed Hope, all right? And I think the renewed hope is this uh, for us, is that the King of Kings has come, right? We get to celebrate that next week. The King of Kings has come, born in the major he came for each person here. Uh, he knows the good, the bad, the ugly, the addictions, the loss, um, the victories and the struggles and the defeats. And he still came. Right? He still humbled himself to be born in a manger, to be fully human. And he chose us. Right? Just like he chose Zerubbabel, he's chosen us. Um, and that gives me hope. Uh, hope that the Lord sent his little boy for us. Uh, we get to rejoice in that. And we have been chosen. Um, and so, guys, that is, I think, the hope of the season is that the family stuff is great and it doesn't matter. Um, you've been chosen. Uh, God has chosen us, uh, wants a relationship with us. Uh, and for me, that brings a ton of joy, and I think it should for us as well. And so uh, let's pray. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks that um, you sent your little boy for us, uh, Lord, to, to be born as a human uh, in a barn. Um, Lord, and, and there is so much power in that. Lord, I pray that we would live uh, like you have picked us, Lord, that you care about us, every single one, our struggles, our hopes, our dreams. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, the families that we have, the family that this church is. Uh, Lord, then that there's no perfect people, there's no perfect family, and yet we are still called to, uh, to come and worship you. I pray that we would live like that today in your name. Amen.